You are listening to The Dynasty Diner, a proud member of the Dynasty Sports Empire family of podcasts. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Dynasty Diner. I am Brett Siegel, the DSC Senior NFL Fantasy Sports Analyst, and here in the diner, we like to sit around the table and focus on Dynasty and Keeper Leagues. In the diner, we like to focus on one sport at a time, and today is football. And be assured, though, that the time will come for more baseball and our first forays into basketball, hockey, and golf. Thanks for all of our returning listeners and a warm welcome to the new listeners. Please hit that subscribe button wherever you are listening to this podcast and be notified of all of our latest episodes. In today's episode, we will run through the NFL free agent season and how it will affect the dynasty forecast for players as the NFL preps for the rookie draft next month. There are so many free agent moves to cover that last episode we only covered running backs and tight ends. Today we are going to be covering wide receivers. We are holding off on quarterbacks until after the NFL draft. Listen, the quarterback carousel is likely not over. There are at least five quarterbacks that are going to be drafted in the NFL first round. Teams are going to be pressured to play those players. Trades are still going to happen, maybe on draft day, maybe with some veterans uh, before draft day. And we would rather give you guys quality advice on your dynasty teams than to speculate on what might happen. It's time to introduce our co-host, and joining me today is Chris Zelaya, our DSC content editor. How are you doing, Chris? Doing pretty good today. Outstanding. <laughs> so, Chris, I put out a poll on Twitter. Um, it's only going to be for a day. I should have thought about that after or before I put it out, because by the time people listen to this, it'll already be closed, but... I know we're not dealing with quarterbacks right now, but I put out a poll on Twitter. I'm in a two-quarterback dynasty league, and my quarterbacks are Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. And I don't know what to do with Deshaun Watson. I don't know if I need to make a trade for another quarterback or to move up in the draft, because I, I finished second last year. So I'm drafting 11 out of 12. And I don't know if I should trade Watson and try and move up in the draft to get a quarterback that is likely going to start all season or just take my lumps and roll with the punches and see what's going to happen with all of his troubles off field. What do you think I should do? It's a tough call. Um, I believe he's not going to play. Not this year. So if you're going to hold them, you could be holding a player that will sit out the entire year. And depending on exactly what goes on with his legal troubles may miss some part of next year also yeah in a two quarterback league that's kind of the kiss of death um i have two premier quarterbacks now luckily i have andy dalton sitting on my bench because last year for some reason whoever had dak prescott did not grab andy dalton or maybe i carried him over from the year before uh when he was in cincinnati but i have andy dalton i just it's Andy Dalton. <laughs> I don't believe that I can be competitive on a playoff level with Andy Dalton as my second quarterback. So I just, I, I don't know what to do. I mean, it's Andy Dalton, but 
to make it worse, it's Andy Dalton on the Chicago Bears. Right. So it's not, it's not even Andy Dalton on the on the on the Cowboys. It's him and the Bears. Right. And the other and the funny part is is I have Russell Wilson who should have been on the Bears. <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, I don't know how they did not pull that trade off. I mean, he was willing. He he. I don't even know why he would list the Bears as a team to go to, but he listed the Bears as a team to go to, and. I was just shocked that the Bears could not come up with a package to satisfy Seattle. Their te- their team improved so much with somebody like Russell Wilson on their team. Russell Wilson is that quarterback. Imagine him throwing the ball to Allen Robinson uh, with that with that running game that they have, like a two headed monster. I love Tariq Cohen personally, and I think him and Russell Wilson together would be an amazing combo to watch, especially in fantasy. Russell Wilson is one of those rare players that just makes everybody around him better. And there's not a lot of them. Yeah. But anyway, let's not get too hung up on quarterbacks. So you have no you have no suggestion for me on what to do other than maybe wait it out. I mean, I I would test the waters for for a trade and I would see what's out there. Trading a top 3 quarterback when he plays is tough. You got to decrease his value because he's not going to play. At least I, it, most the general consensus is he's going to sit out. Right. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm definitely not going to get value for him. But I don't want to. I don't want to throw the season away. It's not in my DNA. I can't do it. You could be throwing away more than a season because if he sits, if he sits and gets suspended or gets put in the commissioner's exempt list, you could be looking at more than a season. So you're punting this year, and then maybe even next year. So I would explore trade, see what's out there, get as close to a reasonable value as you can find. You never know. Somebody might surprise you. Somebody might in your league might actually be high on Watson and think this is all going to blow over and he starts week one. I'm high on Watson, but I don't believe it's going to blow over. All right. Anyway, let's take care of this episode. We are going to be covering wide receivers. Chris and I are going to discuss the implications of all of these wide receiver signings during the free agent period and how that's going to affect not only the player, but their teammates. We're also going to be dealing with our dish of the day towards the end of the episode, and that is a section where we discuss some kind of strategy, insight, or rant. Just give you something to chew on before you come back for our next episode. So let's kick things off. Chris, I'm going to let you start with A.J. Green going to the Arizona Cardinals. I like A.J. Green. Uh, I liked him in Cincinnati. I, I like A.J. Green as a player. I think he's just one of those shorthanded receivers that doesn't really let you down when he's healthy. He's had health issues over the last couple of years. I mean, he's is getting older. In Arizona, even at his age and with his health issues, I still view him as a Tier 3 quarterback. I mean, sorry, Tier 3 wide receiver. I think that he's going to be a legitimate target for Kyler Murray. Um I see him pulling down decent numbers for the entire year. I am going to disagree heavily with you. I do not believe A.J. Green is solid anymore. He can no longer separate from coverage. He can no longer contest for balls that are thrown up at him. I do not believe that he is even relevant anymore. I do not even have him in my top 100 dynasty wide receivers. I was perusing pro football focus on him and i saw that he's one of the worst receivers in the league now in terms of contested balls um i i just i don't think he has it anymore i don't know what 
Arizona is looking to do with signing him other than replacing what was an aging Larry Fitzgerald with, what, another aging receiver? I, I just don't get it at all. Well, when he was with Cincinnati, what were his what, – who else was on the field with him that was going to catch the ball? So it doesn't surprise me his numbers were down in Cincinnati. He also didn't really spend too much time – with Joe Burrows as quarterback. So he had Andy Dalton. Again, Andy Dalton. I think you give him a better quarterback. You give him, a, put him on a team where there are other targets. He He's going to surprise a couple people. I don't think he's the same receiver he was. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that he's going to go back five years ago and, and put up those kind of numbers. He's not a tier one. He's not elite. He's not a tier two. He's a tier three. And I think that's a, that would be a solid pick for me. I probably closer to number 100 maybe just outside of my top 100 for dynasty because of his age but i I still think he has some fantasy relevance okay we will see time will tell uh speaking of older wide receivers i want to talk about emmanuel sanders going to the buffalo bills now i think sanders does still have the capabilities that aj green does not but the problem here is for me The Bills used a lot of four wide receiver sets last year. He's going to lose targets to Gabriel Davis and Cole Beasley, obviously Stephon Diggs. Josh Allen has to find a familiarity with him, and I don't think that's going to happen until probably mid to late season. So even though he may be the open guy, Josh Allen's not going to feel comfortable going to him. I just, I think he's going to lose targets in that he's going to get lost in the mix. I think he's that a shorthanded over the middle threat for Allen. And that's how I look at him. I think he's I think he's got a tier 3 potential in terms of fantasy points. Injuries happen in football. We all know this. And if that offense sustains an injury at the wide receiver, Sanders oh, has been he's fairly golden then. Yeah, yeah, he's he's, he's he's fairly consistently healthy. He doesn't really miss time for injury. So if and when injuries hit that team and they're at the wide receiver spot, Cole Beasley, how many years has Cole Beasley played an entire season, especially recently? So it's more than likely he gets a fair amount of snaps and he gets a fair amount of targets. So he's got upside to him, but I look at him as a solid tier three. How do we feel about uh, Curtis Samuel? going to the Washington football team. I like this move for the Washington football team. And again, this comes on the, this comes combined with the fact that they are upgrading their quarterback temporarily with uh, Fitzmagic. I think Curtis Samuel is easily the wide receiver too in Washington. Now, Terry McLaurin is not only a fantastic wide receiver, but I have him in my top 10 dynasty rankings as of right now i haven't ironed everything out but i think curtis samuel's dynasty value rises quite a bit and this really helps terry mclaurin by drawing coverage away from terry mclaurin it was way too easy for teams to key on mclaurin now they got to worry about curtis samuel and mclaurin i that's problematic and and heck they have a good tight end too and they've got a they've got a, a budding outstanding running back that can catch the ball in Gibson. So I think I think there's a lot to like about this move. And I think uh, the other thing to consider, you know, Curtis Samuel went to his old coach. So you know that, that Riverboat Ron 
really likes him to go out and give him that kind of money to to come up and uh, be with him in Washington. I agree. I, I like Curtis Samuel going to the Washington football team. To be completely honest with you, I like the moves that the football team has made over the last two years. I like their offense. They could challenge for the NFC East this year. Considering Easily, they have a great defense. Considering they're the best of the worst in that division, <laughs> I don't think that that's too much to ask, realistically. Um, look, I think Curtis Samuel is a solid Tier 3 with definite Tier 2 upside in terms of fantasy. Yes, it's Fitzmagic throwing the ball, but he's proven that he still has what it takes, and he's got an offensive line in front of him that's not terrible. He's got options. I mean, you mentioned Antonio Gibson, who technically played a little bit of wide receiver in college. So he's got hands all around him that can grab the ball. He's got time to throw the ball because that offensive line is good. And they've got a defense that will give them enough opportunities. I like Curtis Samuel. Yeah, I, I think it's a great move. I think it, it makes everybody better all the way around on that team. Uh, what do you think of uh, the Jaguars? Now, obviously the Jaguars are we're 99.999% sure they're going to grab Trevor Lawrence in the first round of the rookie draft coming up at the end of the month. But they signed two wide receivers this year in the offseason. They signed Marvin Jones and Philip Dorsett. What do you make of that? I like Jones. I think he's a low-end, tier two, high-end, tier three veteran presence that will be very beneficial to the team, especially in the locker room, teaching a lot of the younger guys on that team you know, training procedures, workout routines, work ethic. I, I think he's a solid signing. I like that signing. Philip Dorsett is more, in my opinion, depth and a veteran presence, if you can call him that. Um, I'd look at him as a tier five, maybe tier six wide receiver. I think he kind of gets lost in the mix and struggles to find time on the field and get targets. Yeah. I understand the need to provide Trevor Lawrence with targets, but Marvin Jones, in my opinion, has lost a step or two. Now, Dorsett can still fly, but I don't know how, after all these years in the NFL, he has not learned to catch yet. And listen, I'm a Hurricanes fan. It's all about the you, baby. But not with Dorsett in the NFL. He is not where he needs to be at this point in his career. I really... I, he was one of those players I expected a lot of when he came out of Miami and, and went up to Baltimore or Baltimore went up to Indianapolis. I haven't had enough caffeine today, people. I still think the Colts are in Baltimore. Um, the, the bottom line here is that both players are wholly dependent on the play of Trevor Lawrence, as opposed to their value, as opposed to Trevor Lawrence being valued on what they can do. I really think that this the, the entire Jaguar offense is going to be reliant on how good Trevor Lawrence can be right out of the gate. And I think that is not a good place for any NFL team to be. I don't care who... Listen, I remember when Jared Goff got drafted number one overall, and he didn't even play half the year, and he stunk when he did play. So I, I don't... I just don't feel good about Trevor Lawrence or any of these wide receivers going there. Uh, it's it's very possible that the team is is going to be set up for failure this year. I mean, how many times has a rookie quarterback come in and just 
nailed it from from day one. Uh, I think it's funny you mentioned Jared Goff because I struggled to find a time where he didn't stink. But he had a couple of decent years in Los Angeles, and they made the playoffs quite a bit and went to the Super Bowl one year. But he was not he was not ready for that level of competition. That was more of a team in the defense, not so much him. Uh, I I I I'm not going to say that he had nothing to do with it, but I don't see him as the big reason why. It's not like he was a Joe Montana and he carried the team there on his shoulders. No, he was just a guy throwing the ball around, kind of like kind of like. Can you name that one black quarterback that won a Super Bowl for the Washington Redskins? Yeah, Doug Williams. And I only know that because I was living in Washington, D.C. that year. And I worked security in the press box for Consolidated Security Corporation because I used to be a journalist. And I told them that I had a good rapport with journalists. And uh, that was a fantastic gig. I was there for the entire season. I got to meet um, Sonny Jurgensen. And Linda Carter was married or is married to, well, at the time he was a congressman. So he was always, she was always in the press box. So I got to meet Linda Carter. But yes, I do know it was Doug Williams and that was a fantastic season. <laughs> so it's kind of like that kind of an idea where he didn't really do anything flashy and he just kind of got them there and did enough to get it done. Yeah. That's how I looked at Jared Goff's Super Bowl season. Well, or the year they went to the Super Bowl. Let's move on to the next two wide receivers because one of them jumped ship out of Jacksonville, and that was Keelan Cole. And Corey Davis also jumped ship from the Titans, and both of them wound up at the Jets before the Jets traded their quarterback away. So what do you make of this? I like Davis. Uh, The problem I have with Davis is he signed a contract that would make fantasy owners think he's going to be a tier one wide receiver i don't think he's a tier one wide receiver i don't think that's in his game i don't think it's in his makeup he's realistically it's a tier two but i don't see upside for him ever to get to the numbers to hit tier one cole i see as a tier three wide receiver who has sneaky tier two upside but it's going to come down to quarterback play just like you're 99.99 sure lawrence is going to the jags the Jets are taking a quarterback, but who are they going to get at three? That's going to, or, or, at, or at their pick rather. So, well, the the odds-on favorite is right now is Zach Wilson. But with all the talk about Mac Jones going to the Forty ers the the Jets may think that they don't know better and they might take Mac Jones. Or after the field day that Justin Fields put up, they might say, "Oh wow, we could get Justin Fields at two. And that would that that would be a very Jets move. I need to remind the Jets that Justin Fields played quarterback at Ohio State, and I challenge you to name a good quarterback in the NFL that ever came from Ohio State. I'll wait, and we could be here forever because you cannot do that. It you can make exist. the same argument about Alabama quarterbacks because I'm still not oh, sold really? on Tua. Really? I'm not, I'm not sold on no, Tua. Oh, I'm sorry, Kenny Stabler, Joe Namath. Let's not do that. I mean, uh, in, in in the current era, in the current era, in in. Fine, I'm just I'm just saying I'm going back in the history of Ohio State quarterbacks, and there are none that are any good at the NFL level. But let me talk about Corey Davis and Keelan Cole for a moment. I only thought Corey Davis was good with the Titans because he was opposite of AJ Brown, who was drawing better coverage. Now that he is the de facto number one ride receiver in New York, I believe that once he starts drawing 
the de facto number one coverage, he's not going to be as good. I also think that Keelan Cole, he caps out as as any given team's wide receiver three. I don't think he's capable of the production or the amount of snaps that is necessary to be a wide receiver two. And again, much like the situation with the Jaguars, both of these wide receivers production is going to be tied directly to the value or, or their value is going to be tied directly to whoever ends up being their quarterback. The Jets traded away Sam Darnold, so we know it's not him. Both of them signed there thinking that was going to be the quarterback. And now they're probably looking at Zach Wilson or somebody else. And again, I, I don't think that's a good recipe for production. Well, let's not forget, though, the Jets still have Mims and, and Crowder. Um, I think that, could you imagine the Jets running a four wide receiver set? Well, first off, I've, uh, I've heard rumors that Crowder is going to get released for cap space reasons. So I don't know if that, that hasn't happened yet, but I, I, it, I think it has to happen. And Mims, oh, big deal. I'm not impressed. He could, he, he could be a decent, a decent slot type receiver. Look, here, here's what I'm getting at. The Jets releasing Crowder, who was their most productive wide receiver last year, would be a very Jets move, and I think it would be a very stupid move. I think that realistically, if you've got four targets on the field, and let's just say that it's going to be Zach Wilson throwing the ball, I think that the coverage is going to get spread out, and yeah, okay, Corey Davis will command a little bit more attention, which only really boosts Crowder, so it could be a game-by-game situation for all of those receivers. Yeah, just I'm not excited about either of those moves. I want to move on now to John Brown going to the Raiders. I I'm I I I don't know what to make of this one as well. I think he slots in behind Ruggs and Edwards. I know there are people that have given up on Edwards after one rookie season, but I don't think he's going to get the same targets that Aguilar got when he was with Las Vegas last year. And we still are dealing with the offensive line problem in Las Vegas that they are they are cutting bait with almost everybody they have, bringing in new people who are inexperienced. I, I just don't see John Brown being productive or effective in Las Vegas. The Raiders, I mean, they've confused their running game now. They've confused their passing game. They have dismantled their offensive line. I don't like this at all. I'm not a huge fan of John Brown, but if there's one thing that I've seen from John Brown is that he's a fairly consistent receiver. He's not flashy. He's not great. He doesn't put up great numbers. I think he's going to end up being a tier three, maybe on the lower end, but he's going to be a tier three receiver, even with Carr, who every other game seems to not know if he's going to be the starting quarterback anymore because that's just what the Raiders seem to do. Yes, their offensive line is awful. I'm not a huge fan of Ruggs or Edwards. I was not really a big fan of Aguilar, but I did like him more on the Raiders than I did like him in Philly. I think that John Brown might be the only real pass-catching target Carr might have. I'm not convinced that anybody else on that team can stay healthy, and can perform. Fair enough. Fair enough. How do you feel about the New York Giants picking up two receivers in Kenny Galladay and John Ross? 
I, I like this for the Giants. This is a really good move, and I'll tell you why. For some reason, I have noticed a trend in NFL quarterbacks that year three tends to be the pivotal year where it's a make-or-break situation. They're either going to turn on the Jets. Sorry, that was a bad pun almost because it's the Giants. But that third-year <laughs> quarterback is going to either become an outstanding quarterback or he's going to fail. They have put Daniel Jones in a position to succeed by signing Kenny Galladay and John Ross. He now Daniel Jones now has an alpha wide receiver one. I project Gall Galladay in that system to have a thousand yards minimum and double-digit TDs. I think that Galladay's arrival opens up coverage for Shepard, Slayton, and Ross, and Jones is one of the top-rated NFL quarterbacks in deep ball accuracy. So John Ross might actually benefit in this system because he's never had a quarterback able to throw to him. I mean, he's probably one of the fastest wide receivers in the NFL after Tyreek Hill, but he's never been able to get a ball thrown to him accurately so that he can make that catch on the run. I, I, I like everything about these moves. I, I also think, though, that John Ross didn't know that they were going to sign Kenny Galladay when he signed, so I thought he was going to be a little bit higher up in the pecking order, but I think he winds up as a wide receiver four in this system. I, I like what the Giants did here. I, I, I They're obviously going all in on Daniel Jones, and it's going to be a make-it-or-break-it year, kind of like you were talking about. If Jones steps up, and and plays the way that the Giants are hoping and expecting him to play, Kenny Galladay is tier one potential. I, I there's no doubt about it. He's he's a hands down, no doubt about it, tier two wide receiver. But there's tier one possibilities there if he's healthy and stays the whole year and, and everything works with Daniel Jones. Ross, I look at more of a borderline tier three, tier four wide receiver, unless. Well, it's the Giants. Let's not say unless. It's more of if and when injury strikes. So Ross, yeah, he's fast. Um, and yeah, Daniel Jones is accurate. So that could be a really fun combination. You know, 80-yard touchdown pass to start off a game kind of in a situation. Very possible. But I do like both signings. And it's just going to come down to whether or not Daniel Jones can can perform at this level that the Giants are expecting him to perform. He will have Shaquan back in the offense also, so that's going to help Daniel Jones also. So I think there's a lot of things trending in the right direction for the Giants this year. Let's just see what uh, what Daniel Jones does. We're talking about two quarterbacks going to the same team. Let's look at the Miami Dolphins signing Will Fuller and Robert Foster. Go ahead, Brett. All right. Well, I... I like this move. I mean, they have an inexperienced quarterback that definitely needs better targets than he had last year. The Dolphins have a very crowded wide receiver room. Fuller is going to be the wide receiver, too, on this team. He has a very low floor and a very high ceiling thanks to his injury history. I know on Dynasty Sports Empire forum site, we have a running joke that Anytime someone mentions Will Fuller, it's a, did he get hurt again? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter what he does in a game. It's always a joke that he's hurt. But from a dynasty perspective, I'm 
I, I, I'm all in on Will Fuller. I think he's a definite buy for me. Now, Foster is interesting because he played with Tua in 2017 at Alabama. And given how crowded that wide receiver room is and the inability for them all to separate from each other, this might give him a little bit of an edge uh, to find his way into a wide receiver three position. I think Will Fuller could be a tier two wide receiver, but he has so many issues with just being on the field. And yeah, injuries, but also I think he's suspended for the first couple of games of, of the upcoming season. Um, he needs to get everything on track for him to be on the field. No more questions, no more bullshit. Just get on the field, be available for your young quarterback as a target. And yes, he will be a solid tier too. That being said, I am less optimistic than Brett. So I have him as actually as a tier three wide receiver, just because of his history. Foster, I like. I, I see him as a solid tier three, as solid tier three tight, uh, wide receiver. If Fuller doesn't play the duration of the season, I think tier three is hands down. If he does play the full season, given the amount of targets the team has and the fact that I'm not 100% sold on Tua, he could become a tier four wide receiver at the end of the day. It's just going to come down to Tua making that step, which I'm not convinced about, and Fuller staying on the field and playing games without getting hurt, hamstring, whatever, another suspension, whatever. Let's move on to the New England Patriots, signing Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar. I'm going to call this the Patriots curse. I don't see either wide receiver hitting tier four numbers. I think they both realistically end up as tier five, five wide receivers. There's too many targets. It's a Bill Belichick system. It's Cam Newton throwing the ball or running with the ball or whatever Cam wants to do with the ball. I don't see either one of these players being massively relevant other than maybe a bye week filler. Yeah, I'm going to also walk lightly around this one. Now, Aguilar saw a lot of deep ball targets last year from Derek Carr. And Cam does throw a better deep ball than Carr. So he's got that going for him. And Kendrick Bourne is a huge red zone target with strong hands. But it's only going to be worth anything if Cam Newton decides to throw it rather than keep it for himself. And I say this week in and week out, episode by episode, Bill Belichick does not care about your fantasy team. So if he doesn't care about it, these are not anyone you should be targeting. They really, I agree with you. They should be bi-week fillers. Um, and, and that's that. I do want to move on to the Pittsburgh Steelers and their signing of Juju Smith. But before I get started or before we get started, I have a, uh, I had a question posed to me by one of our listeners. His name is Clint and he did not know we were not going to be talking about quarterbacks, but he really wanted to know what we thought about Big Ben and the future of the quarterback situation in Pittsburgh. And that sort of plays into the Juju Smith signing. I will keep this short. I think that uh, Ben Roethlisberger restructured his contract because he knows this is his swan song. He took um, 
well. He restructured it to free up cap space so they could go out and sign other players that are going to help not only him um, on the offensive side of the ball, but also on the defensive side of the ball. And what they ended up doing was re-signing Juju Smith. And Chris, what do you think about all of that? So for this particular case, my biggest question is Big Ben. Uh, my biggest question about Juju Smith-Schuster is Big Ben. Does he have one more season in him? Uh, can the Steelers figure out some kind of real running game this year? If I answer yes to both those questions, then Juju's a tier two wide receiver. I don't think Juju ever really becomes tier one because I don't think Big Ben has it in him anymore. I think you're right. I think this is his last hurrah. He took less money. He restructured his deal. He went to ownership and said, give me targets. Make this a competitive team. Let's make a run at it. One final chance for me to get another ring. I think it's going to end up falling short straight across the board, mainly because they did not really address the running game. And I think that Juju ends up being a tier three wide receiver this year. I think him re-signing with the Steelers one more year might end up hurting his value next season when he goes looking for uh, another contract. And I think fantasy owners are going to have a small, sour taste in their mouth because there's really no backup quarterback behind Big Ben, and Big Ben is not the same quarterback he was. Yeah, I'm I'm going to deal with this one strictly from a dynasty standpoint. The re-signing of Juju Smith-Schuster with Pittsburgh is really just bad news for Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson and any GM that has them rostered on their dynasty team. We were, I have Deont, I have a lot of shares of Deontay Johnson, and I was really, really, really looking forward to Juju being gone because that's, you know, 100-plus targets that needs to get distributed. Now he's back. The Steelers often employ four wide receivers, and that includes uh, Washington, and they're all going to be vying for targets. And... This is also bad for Juju's dynasty value. The problem with Juju Smith-Schuster, in my opinion, is, is he cannot handle primary coverage. He's, he has not been the same since Antonio Brown left. When Antonio Brown was there, and goodness knows he was absolutely drawing primary coverage, Juju Smith-Schuster was able to get lost in the shuffle and make big plays. Now that he is the focus... I don't think that's the case. I don't think defenses are going to tar I don't think defenses are going to target Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool as primary receivers now, which frees up Juju. I I still think Juju is the big threat for a defense, so he's still going to struggle with defensive schemes. The only upside here is if those defenses for some reason see Claypool and Johnson as primary receivers, and then he'll fall back into those numbers that he had when A.B. was there because they're taking the coverage away from him, which is what he needs. He's just not good uh, when he's got somebody as an island sitting on top of him. I do. I, I think that's enough on, on the Steelers. I want to move to uh, my favorite team, the Rams. Deshaun Jackson to the Rams. This is a good fit as a situational wide receiver. The Rams needed a deep threat. I don't know that this is the answer because of his age, but I will tell you this. Over the years, 
I feel like wherever Deshaun Jackson is, that team tends to do a little bit better. He makes team he makes players around him better. Now he is better in real life than he is as a fantasy wide receiver, but I think that he's still relevant and it's going to be a really good situation for Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. So for me, he's worth a flyer in spite of his health concerns and his age. In theory, this would be a very solid move because he's a sure-handed weapon and Stafford is a much better quarterback than Jared Goff. But given his injury history, I have low expectations. Um, you're right in saying that he's a better real-life wide receiver than he is a fantasy wide receiver. I don't put him any higher than that tier five borderline tier six wide receiver because I just don't see him getting enough snaps and drawing enough coverage and getting enough targets. However, Stafford is a better quarterback and I think the Rams are going to air it out a little bit more this year than they did the previous years. And he, and Stafford can throw a deep ball. We know that. Yeah. He's a much all around better quarterback than Goff ever was or ever will be. So he, there, I agree. I think he's worth a flyer. He could end up just being a bi-week filler on your bench for most of the season. But he's definitely worth a flyer. He's just not going to produce on a week-to-week basis. The trick is going to try to be to figure out when to start him and when to sit him, unless you're only using him to fill in on the bye weeks I was going to say, speaking of, uh, speaking of Rams wide receivers, one of them left, and that would be Josh Reynolds going to the Titans. What have you got on that, Chris? So here's an interesting move. Uh, the Titans needed to replace two big targets. And Reynolds was the only real off-season acquisition. He's primed as a legitimate Tier 2, Tier 3 wide receiver. But I don't know how he fits into that system. I think he ends up being a, more of a solid Tier 3 wide receiver than anything else. But he's definitely got upside. And I do like the move for the Titans. I'm just not sold... This was the best move to make? What do you think? Yeah, I I think he ought to be the number two wide receiver in Tennessee. I think he has a lot of talent. I've enjoyed watching him over the years uh, develop and become a better wide receiver in all aspects of his game. The problem is, is the Titans are almost certainly going to draft a wide receiver in the first round. They'd be silly not to. There's going to be plenty of quality wide receivers available for them to grab and they lost arguably their number two wide receiver last year. Now, I still think Josh Reynolds projects well with the Titans. And the reason being is that offensive, I mean, opposing teams are going to be stacking for the run. There's that that pesky Derrick Henry problem that everybody has to deal with. So when you stack for the run, you have less guys for coverage. Also, the Titans' defense is really bad, and Tennessee is going to have to be throwing a lot more when they're behind. And I don't think that there's enough talent pool in the NFL draft from for rookies to make an impact on that defense. And I don't I don't recall them making any super big moves in the free agency in defense for them to improve that much overnight. So I think it's a really good move. I think Josh Reynolds is a viable dynasty target um, for 
players beyond those that you would normally keep. So I, I like it. I do want to move to the Lions signing Brashard Perryman because I find this really interesting because I like Brashard Perryman as a wide receiver. The problem is the Lions defense is awful. Goff is going to have to throw a lot. Now, Brashard Perryman, I, again, I, I, I like to scurry around pro football focus. He is one of the you know, top receivers in the NFL against man coverage. The problem is, is if I can figure that out from pro football focus, so can other defenses. So, but I don't know if defenses are going to play zone just because he's on the field and the primary target or because if they do put him man to man coverage, he's just going to beat his guy almost every time. The next best receiver on this team is Tyrell Williams. And that's not a good thing. So I really expect Brashard Perryman, from a fantasy standpoint, to to get a bulk of the targets. I'm going to make this short and sweet. The Lions will be awful, especially at golf at quarterback. I have little to no expectations for any fantasy stats coming off that team. Their defense is terrible. Their offense is terrible. Goff is terrible. Perriman's going to be, at best, a Tier 6, Tier 7 wide receiver and can go undrafted in fantasy. Okay. Again, time will tell. We don't have to agree on everything. I think that uh, just volume alone makes him worth it, but you just don't think so. Volume, he could have 100 balls thrown to him, but if only half are catchable because golf is not going to get too many unhit throws. I don't see him coming down with even even half of the half that he could potentially catch. I, I don't see it. I'm out, I'm out on everything to do with Detroit Lions this upcoming season. But let's move on to David Moore going to the Carolina Panthers. This is a move I like. I like... I like this move, but I have a question about this move. So the, the question is, can Darnold turn the corner and get out from under the Adam Gase curse? If he does, Moore is going to be a solid Tier 2 wide receiver because he's a shorthanded, he's a shorthanded target and that Darnold would fall in love with, I'm sure. If he doesn't, if, if Darnold can't get out from this Adam Gase curse... I still think Moore has value, and I think he slides down to a Tier 3, maybe Tier 4, but that would only be because of quarterback play. This one is a little bit of a head-scratcher for me. Here you have a really good receiver who's looking to showcase himself, and he chose to go to Carolina. I I don't get that because... And I don't remember, I'm assuming he signed, I seem to recall him signing before the Darnold trade. So you're going, you were going to, you're going to showcase yourself in a, in an offense that actually didn't have a quarterback. So the question really is, is, is Darnold going to help him be a better wide receiver? He was in a really sweet position uh, previously with, with the Seahawks, I felt. And this one, again, I, it's a head scratcher. I don't know what to make of it. I like I like David Moore. I have shares of him in Dynasty. I thought he was going to be a lot better than he has been. So I want him to be good. I just don't know that this is the place to do it. 
You don't know what was told to David Moore either, though, when he did sign. The the general manager could have said, look, we're going to get a quarterback. We're going to either draft a quarterback or trade for a quarterback, so we're going to have a quarterback, and it's not going to be Teddy Bridgewater. That could have been part of the conversation. Nobody knows for sure. Yeah, I, I think Bridgewater was out before Bridgewater knew he was out, and I think everybody in the Panther organization knew that too. Anyway, let's move to the dish of the day. Uh, for those of you that are new to our podcast, Dish of the Day is a place where we discuss something strategy-wise, some kind of nugget of wisdom or insight or rant, something to you to chew on a little bit while you're still here in the diner and then maybe take a doggy bag with you uh, until the next episode. And what I would like to discuss for Dynasty Football today is I believe there's two types of fantasy football GMs. There are, there are the fantasy floor guys and there's the fantasy ceiling guys. So for me, you as a GM need to evaluate what your definition of a floor and a ceiling is and which is more important to you. And once you do define that, you need to decide which is a better strategy to employ. I am a, I'm a floor guy for the most part. When I'm doing my rosters, yes, I'm looking at matchups. And at Dynasty Sports Empire, we have extremely large rosters. We play 22 starters every week, 11 on offense, 11 on defense. We start two running backs, three wide receivers, a tight end, and then we have three flex positions. Generally speaking, I'm looking at matchups and using my best players in those obvious starter spots. But when it comes to those flex positions, there's again, there's two types of players. There's players that are going to plug in those guys that have the high floor. There's guys that are going to plug in the players that have the high ceiling so that maybe they can get an advantage over their opponent for the week. You need to know your roster's rules and your scoring, know your competition, know what they're going to be playing, and find a system for you in season to make these moves and to stick with it because if you draft thinking that you're the ceiling guy and then you start playing as a floor guy it doesn't work out same thing if you you know and vice versa you need to know who you are you need to know how you draft you need to know how you roster i think that it is a big difference that a lot of fantasy gms before i mentioned it today did not realize that they fall into one of two categories and not sure that they find that system and stick to it all year long. Because what ends up happening is, is you start chasing points. You could be that floor guy, and all of a sudden you see this other receiver having great days or a running back having great days. He got the, new, he got the starting position, let's say. And all of a sudden you're chasing points, and it never works out in fantasy football for you to chase points. Find that system. Determine whether or not you're a floor or ceiling guy. Stick to it week to week during the course of the system. That's what I got on that, unless you want to add something to it, because I know that that is not a, um, it's not a normal thing to talk about. It's an interesting topic. Um, I know for myself, I'm a ceiling guy. Uh, I will always, I will always take the matchups that I think are going to give me the, the highest outcome, and I fill in the gaps with floor guys, but I'm always looking for the ceiling potential first, rostering that way, 
and filling in with the floor. So I'll get an idea on a minimum number of points that I'm going to expect, but I'm always shooting for the fences. Like I want the most points I can possibly get because let's face it, football is basically one day. It's not like the other sports where you're playing a week long matchup. You want to, you, you need to win and you need to get the more the most amount of points out of it. So I'm always willing to gamble, and it's usually high-risk, high-reward for my team. So it's either I'm going to win by a lot or I'm going to lose by a lot on a week-to-week basis. Right. None of my, and, none of and, my teams are ever flashy because of that. And that's exactly why I'm the floor guy. I am willing to just stick with the floor and let guys like you take that risk week in and week out and – Honestly, I don't think this, the, you said high risk, high reward. I don't think the success rate on the high reward is there. I think at, in the end of the day, for me, I feel more comfortable with the floor and allowing somebody else to make that mistake. Which is the biggest reason why the last game of the season, I have more wins than you do. Yes, that is true. You definitely have more championships, but I always make the playoffs. So, you know, and I'm always in the money. Yeah. Well, so it's well, just, you know, Find out who you are as a as a fantasy GM. If I asked a hundred guys that play at Dynasty Sports Empire right now, are you a floor guy or a ceiling guy? I don't think most could tell you. I don't think they've ever thought about it, and I think it's important to think about. So, uh, Chris, what do you have for your dish of the day today? So, uh, I'm thinking about football, and I'm going to talk about drafting strategies, but very very specific. It's a very niche strategy. I'm going to call this uh, a football drafting pro tip. When you're drafting, you need to seriously consider the bye weeks, especially for whatever tier one, high-end tier two players you pick. So when you're picking their backup or you're picking the guy that's going going to play along with them on your team, the worst thing that you can do to yourself is get a tier one and a tier two running back that both have the same bye week. You need to look at the bye weeks. Now, I, I understand in Dynasty, in year two, you can't do anything about that. But if we're talking about a startup league, and even in even in second year drafts, if you see that you have two guys that are on the same bye week, don't kick yourself in the foot and pick up a third running back or a third wide receiver with the same bye week that your other teammates already have. Look at the bye week. You need to consider that as part of your drafting strategy. I take it into full consideration when I develop my tiers, and I actually asterisk guys that have the same the same bye week. I actually build in the bye week as part of my tiering system just so I can see it in front of me, but not considering the bye week can really hurt you. And if you're... One of those bubble teams, like I usually am every year, that's towing the line between making the playoffs versus making the consolation bracket. I make sure that my team has enough candidates to play without going to the waiver wire and worrying about picking up a below average starter or, or a less than replacement value player just to fill in so I can make a lineup for the week. That's the worst thing that I could do to myself because I know I am a ceiling guy. So I will always look at bye weeks when I'm drafting, and that's a big part of how I do draft in the tiers that I'm looking at. Well, that's going to wrap it up. We're getting real close to an hour here, and uh, we like you to uh, stay tuned. Hopefully you're still here with us. We want to thank you if you are. 
outstanding job. We hope that uh, you've enjoyed some of the information that we've given you today. Chris, thank you again, as always, for joining me here on the Dynasty Diner. And for those of you that are interested, you can contact Chris at Drunken Angels with a Z. You can contact me, and that's on Twitter. You can contact me on Twitter at BASiegel68. That's B-A-S-I-E-G-E-L-6-8. Also on Twitter, you can contact the podcast on Twitter at Dynasty Diner Pod. If you would like to email us, try DynastyDinerPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, I mentioned Clint earlier. He got in touch with me. He wanted a question answered. We did that. So send us your questions. We will answer them. And we do want to know how that how we're doing, if we're improving, if there's anything you can think of that we could do better. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, rate, and review. Subscribe anywhere that you're listening to us, but you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Visit DynastySportsEmpire.com. Join a league. They're fun. We have baseball, football, basketball, hockey, and golf. Football has not opened quite yet, but it will be opening very, very soon. Check out all of our written content and other podcasts sponsored by the Dynasty Sports Empire. And we are providing new episodes near weekly, sometimes a little bit quicker each week, sometimes a little bit stretched out, but on average once a week. We're probably sticking with football, and we might hit baseball again here in a little bit once the season starts to level out. The first month is always kind of kooky, and there's no point in just speculating about how well a player is hot or cold at this point. Uh, we do want to do a basketball episode in the very foreseeable future. And again, thank you all for joining us. Have a great day. And remember, build your fantasy sports dynasty empire and crush the competition. You've been listening to The Dynasty Diner, a proud member of the Dynasty Sports Empire family of podcasts.